Welcome back, my sweet angels. I don't know how you are feeling today, but I'm feeling like there's a lot going on. My life feels like there's many different components happening at at once, especially since I just moved. But the more that I talk to people recently, the more that I feel like this is a collective feeling. Everyone is just really busy right now. And don't get me wrong, I really like to stay busy and have things to do. But at the same time, I don't like to be the busiest person in the world because I like rest and I like being mellow and just sitting and doing nothing, watching a good sunset or something. So I don't know. However you're feeling, I hope you're taking time at some point today to rest and recharge and sit back and do nothing while your little cells regenerate and while your brain forms new connections and all of that stuff. But um, anyway, today's episode is going to be a really solid, informative, fun, but educational episode. I'm going to be introducing Tatum Hardy. Um, She has a very solid background in food sciences and the food system, agriculture, all of that. She'll introduce her kind of background. Um, But the reason why I wanted to talk about this today is because I think there are a lot of myths and propaganda to be debunked when it comes to um, incorporating meat into your diet, especially if you're transitioning from a vegan or vegetarian diet. Um, and you were kind of like sucked into that culture. Um, There is definitely a distinct culture around veganism or vegetarianism and basically around any diet. There's a culture. There is information that you can get sucked into and perhaps feel like you're so wrapped up in that seen that it feels impossible to escape even if you're feeling like it doesn't even support your body anymore because there's such a culture like think of like multi-level marketing you know gigs where it's it's promoting some sort of wellness thing or diet like those can get really gnarly and you can get a lot of backlash um but even from my personal experience i felt very wrapped up in veganism and even if i like I'm not like a part of some like vegan community, but you kind of are when you are vegan and you relate with those people and your social media feeds are like vegan and then you see those people's opinions and it just gets like deeper and deeper into this like hole. And a big part of it for me personally was that everyone knew me as that was like wrapped up in my identity. Um. So when I decided that I wanted to start incorporating animal products, I felt like shame, like legit shame. And like I was stupid for ever being vegan. And, you know, I thought back to all of the Christmases and the Thanksgivings that I like was kind of um, at a loss for what to eat. I would not eat my grandma's like you know, famous cinnamon rolls or the turkey. And it's just sad. Like I think about that now that she's gone and I get sad because I was just so wrapped up in my own ideals that I just really, I don't know, like I wasn't enjoying food at all. I was not having a great experience with um, food Um, so yeah, you get wrapped up in it and then there's years of like your family just kind of like giving you shit and you take it and all that stuff. And then one day you're like, actually, I'm not doing that anymore. And then there's like a new type of shit that they give you. They're like, we told you like, like whatever, like I knew you were malnourished, blah, 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 like all that stuff. And it's like, what do you want from me kind of thing? Either way, you know that you're going to get some sort of like comment about what you're doing. Um, And you just, it feels like a task and a challenge to kind of tackle escaping that culture. Um, But anyway, what I want to kind of start more conversation around is regenerative farming, um, sustainable 
meets and um, good ethical practices and how that kind of meat or dairy or eggs or whatever is really, really good and beneficial for your body and can remineralize you on so many levels um, and just kind of debunk some of the myths around why people go vegan and like why they don't want to eat meat. I don't know. Like there's just a lot of documentaries and Instagram accounts, um, everything that vilify meat meat consumption, saying it's the absolute worst thing for the environment. It's the leading cause of climate change and global warming. And it's um, it meat causes cancer and it's harmful to your health and many more suggestive statements like that. Um, however, since I've opened my awareness up to a new lifestyle of incorporating meat into my diet after almost four years of eating plant-based or just not eating meat um, or some version of restrictive dieting, I've come to really believe that it's not the product, it's the process. And Tatum in the episode says, it's not that it's not the cow, it's the how. It's not this animal's fault that they, you know, it's not that the animal or the beef causes cancer. It's what is in the meat because of what they're being fed and the practices that um, the farm, these commercial farmers are engaging in. It's not good. I will stand behind that. Um but yeah, it's the industry. It can be, it is incredibly detrimental to the environment and, and animals' life when the use of un, unethical practices is at the forefront of the industry and um, when the intention is to just mass produce and feed as many people as they can, it becomes extremely unnatural and not the best thing to consume. Um, but what Tatum and I touched on multiple times in this episode is that the closer we get to nature, the simpler our health gets and the simpler it is to maintain good health and cultivate that sense of vitality and life force again. Um, and it's easier to return to the natural way of doing things as opposed to thinking that we can outsmart nature and take over these systems and turn them artificial and eventually harmful to our health just to keep up with the supply and demand. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to create this space for a new conversation. Even if you are vegan or you're vegetarian, I um, listened to Tatum and Olivia Headland's podcast. They have a podcast called Wellness Digest. They have an episode all about meat. And I listened to that while I was vegan. And I, because I kind of intuitively knew that my body was curious about it. Um, but I, you know, I, I just listened and I opened my mind, like, what is this conversation? Like if they are educated individuals and, um, I have instilled trust in them just based on, you know, their Instagram accounts and their knowledge that they put out in the world and their degrees and their education. Like I trust both of them. And if they're talking about meat in a positive way, this that's like, I, I was like, that's something I got to listen to. So um, you can choose for it to be triggering or you can choose to just open your mind to the truth and to facts and um, not close yourself off to um, like propaganda and, and stuff like that. Um, so I want this to be a space where our minds can be open to new ideas and feel safe in doing so. And, um, just learn together. Um, I'm going to continue the conversation after this episode on the Patreon page. So, um, you can head over to that, subscribe on there. It's only $5 a month. And, um, I'll talk a little bit more about that on my Instagram story, but without further ado, I would love to welcome Tatum onto the podcast. Hi, Tatum. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm so happy that we are doing this episode today. I'm really excited to be talking with someone who is seasoned in this area of food science and farming, sustainable farming, all of that stuff. And um, I know that you have your own podcast and 
I originally listened to um, the episode that you have on there about meat while I was still vegan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, because I just knew like there was something in my intuition that was saying like, what I'm doing is just not working. And um, yeah, that was honestly one of the things that sparked my interest in um, this area and just kind of like debunking myths and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm really like grateful for that episode that you guys put out, but I just wanted to give you a chance to first, um, introduce yourself a little bit and what you do and what your passions are and kind of like what sparked your interest into getting into this field originally. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I'm so happy that episode resonated with you. Um, that's obviously, really great to hear. Um, and yeah, I mean, we didn't do it with any intention to like convert people over to, (laughs) but like just to give the facts and then let people kind of like make their own decisions. So yeah, I'm glad that was helpful for you, but, um, yeah, so I'm Tatum. I consider myself a food system educator. Um, and I have my master's degree in agricultural education, um, my bachelor's degree in food science. So kind of what my journey looked like, um, was in college, I was studying food science and, you know, I'm like really science brained. Like I love chemistry and like learning how things work on like a scientific level. Um, but I was more so learning about like food additives, preservatives, um, like emulsifiers, like ingredients like that, that go into your food to make it like shelf stable. That was like the whole thing that food science was about. And I got to this point where I was like, this is so not fulfilling. Like I love the science part, but like just knowing that if I can like continue with this degree, like I'm probably going to work for some like big food um, business and like, and I just don't want to do that. It's not fulfilling. I know that these products like aren't good for people. And so then I was like, I started to just get a little bit more interested in like, where do these like products even come from? Like, where are these ingredients derived from? And that's how I kind of got into agriculture and like learning about how food is actually grown and processed. And um, I took a few classes, like right at the end of my senior year in agricultural food systems and just like fell in love with learning about farming and how food is grown. And like, that's like really the most empowering part I think about health and wellness is like, having the knowledge of where your food comes from and exactly how it was grown. So I just really started to become passionate about that and decided to get my master's degree in ag education. And that's kind of where I learned like best practices for educating other people about these systems and why it's important to know about them. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Wow. I love that. What are, what exactly are you doing right now in terms of like are you focusing on a certain area or where are you working? Yeah. So I actually was a teacher for about a year at a farm school. Um, it was a primarily outdoor school with vegetable gardens, um, goats, chickens, rabbits. And it was like the whole focus of the school was to connect children to nature and connect them to, um, their food and, actually growing food. So I did that for about a year. Um, and I love the concept of the school. It was just the work environment just wasn't working for me. And I was just like wanting more out of it. So, um, right now I'm on kind of like a little bit of a mental break, just kind of figuring out what it is I want to do next. Um, and just been enjoying, um, our podcast that I have and just kind of yeah. Figuring out where life's going to take me next. I don't really know what it's going to be, but I'm excited. <laughs> wow. That sounds, that little, the school sounds amazing. I wish there was more yeah. things like that. And I, yeah, that's amazing that there's things like that um, becoming a little bit more common because I think that we are so disconnected from our food and nature and just the the kind of more primal way of doing things and that's kind of what I've really noticed in terms of like my own health and even where I just moved to like becoming the more close we come to nature like just I don't, things just start to make sense and you realize how removed we are like um mm-hmm. for a very brief example I just moved from Denver to um like Encinitas California and over mm-hmm. there 
it's like landlocked city life, crazy, chaotic, like, you know, propaganda everywhere, matrixy. And everyone I knew was vegan, like, <laughs> and not that that has anything really to do with it, but it's just an observation. Like it was the, the restaurants even were like the vegan junk food. It was just like, but everyone thought that was kind of healthy and it, it's, it's just very disconnected from nature in all senses. And then I move here and people's main diet is like raw food, you know, like sustainable meats and raw milk, raw cheese, like all of these things. And it's so immersed right in nature. It's right by the ocean. There's nature everywhere. And so it just is, has been interesting to see the difference in lifestyles. Yeah. How my lifestyle is changing so rapidly just being here even for like the past week and a half. Um, so yeah, I just think that's so interesting. Like, yeah, yeah. I really can like appreciate what you're saying. I think too, we, we like to try to like look for answers about like what's healthy elsewhere. And it's actually like really so simple. It's if you just like get connected back to nature and just like let nature show you what's like healthy for you it's like really like innately like where we're supposed to be and I think we just forget that a lot of times because we're surrounded by so much you know pressure from social media and all these influencers with different opinions on what's healthy and what's not and um it's really actually like pretty straightforward and we overcomplicate it so I think that like getting more connected to nature has shown me that it really can be like very simple. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and especially the, I don't know, the culture on social media where, yeah, the, what I eat in a day, even the videos Mm -hmm. like that. And like all of these other things that make you, okay, this person looks this way. And so they eat these things. So I probably should eat these things so I can look this way. Kind of just like it's like a psychological thing. Um, and I really do agree the whole, like getting back to nature can really show you the simplicity. Um, and I didn't really understand that term and I want to hear what it means for you, but I, I never understood quite that, that term fully until I really reconnected with my own body because I was like, okay, reconnecting with nature, like, am I supposed to just go outside and like (laughs) listen to the trees and be like, what do you have to tell me? But it's like, nature isn't just like outdoors. It's like the, like our, our body, the way it works is nature. We're a part of it. It's all like very Mm -hmm. interconnected. So like, just, yeah, like tuning into that, like primal nature, in my body is where I started to really feel that like connection to that phrase. Um, So I would just be curious what that means for you and how you've kind of cultivated that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think it's been realizing how much more we have in common with nature, like than I thought, because I think that, again, I feel like we often think that we live in like a separate society. Like it's like just us humans. And then like the outside nature world is like separate from us. And something that I've learned a lot is that like really everything, everything operates like on a cycle. Like we're all actually really connected, interconnected. And like, um, even just when I try to teach my students about plants and like what plants need to grow. Like we talk about water, sunlight, food. I try to really emphasize that like, those are the exact same things that humans need. Like those are our basic needs. And just like to watch that like light bulb go off in their head. That's like, wait a minute. Like (laughs) you mean plants like need the same things that we do. And I think again, that's where we like overcomplicate everything. Like we need all these supplements, all these like healing modalities and all these things. Like you really don't like need all of those things to be healthy like we actually are like pretty basic beings we just like think we like need and want all of these things and um so for me it's been like really realizing like the simplicity of that and just seeing the relationships between like me and then plants and animals and like how they're so similar and like we really are meant to all function together in one society not in two separate worlds so yeah oh my gosh I love that the simplicity oh and um yeah like you mentioned the whole like 
we think we need all these supplements and all of these artificial added things. Mm. Um, and it reminds me, I don't know if you've heard the podcast medicine stories, but they had this episode on like just remineralizing, getting back as close to nature as we can. And they made such a good point where with all of that kind of stuff, we as humans think we can outsmart nature mm -hmm. and they provided this example that was like, I just, I don't know, humans think they're so smart. And um, they were saying how all of the like fortified and like just manipulated uh, breast milk, like formula or yeah, baby formula is like infused with vitamin D and calcium and all of these other things. I don't know if it was calcium. I know for sure one of the examples was vitamin D and um, they were explaining like, you think that like, mother nature just like effed up and forgot to put the vitamin D mm -hmm. in breast milk. Like babies don't need it yet. You know what I mean? So like, we think we can outsmart it by like adding it into formula, but it's not mm -hmm. there in breast milk for a reason. Yeah. Because the way the baby, like, you know what I mean? So we think we're so smart and can yeah. just yeah supplement with all these like artificial things but it really is just like eliminating all of those things and just coming back to the simplicity of it all and the connection with nature mm -hmm. yeah that's such a good example and that's something that we talk about a lot on our podcast when we talk about like eating seasonally and like why eating seasonally seasonally is so important and one of the things that are ways that I like to describe the reason why I like to eat seasonally is that nature instinctively knows what to grow based on like what we need. So with like evolution and nature being able to adapt and everything, nature was like, oh, I have these new beings to support. Like, what can I grow that they need? And it's like this like mutually beneficial relationship where nature grows, you know, root vegetables in the winter time because you know we need more like hearty carbohydrate dense foods because we're inside more and we're like trying to replenish our energy that whole like hibernation kind of thing and in the summertime nature grows things that are really like water rich because we need more hydration in the summer and so like if you think about it it's just like if you just ate like what was available to you like just like let's say you were just you know out in I don't know, a deserted island or something. And like, you can only eat what nature was growing. Like you would, you would be eating things that are beneficial to you because it's that, that like relationship that you have with nature and knowing what you need. I don't know. It's so crazy to me. No, that makes total sense. And even, yeah, like in the summer you spend more time outside. So, you know, you don't need that, like maybe don't need as much, as many foods with vitamin D in them or something because mm -hmm. you're getting that from the sun it's all exactly. like and I've I've gotten really into like eating with my cycle and it makes me um it really makes me realize like the seasons of the year fall summer winter spring and then within that within each like 28 to 30 day cycle there's like the littler seasons like mm -hmm. the menstrual being like winter so it's like you can just get you know you can do more of a broad approach where you're just eating seasonally or and then you can kind of hone that down and eat seasonally within your cycle but still yeah. with the season that's happening yeah yeah I love that yeah so interesting um so I want to talk a little bit about um like meat specifically because this is something that I've really transitioned into and I want to hear a little bit about um like raw meat you know raw dairy I mean and grass finished meat versus kind of like the whole commercial industry mm -hmm. because I think that's another element of becoming very disconnected with nature mm -hmm. um and the reason I like asked this is because I was very immersed in the vegan culture for like four years and so I really know kind of what's going on, like why people are doing it. And now that I'm eating meat again, I'm like on this other side. So I'm, I feel like this fluid little middleman where I understand why people are doing both of the things. Um, 
but I wanted to debunk some of my own personal myths, like, and part of that was number one, like the commercial farming industry, like its effects on the environment and then like our health specifically, like, I just want to hear kind of about the industry and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just want to say if conventional meat was the only meat that was available to me, I would be vegan too. So like, I completely like understand, like if I didn't have the, the option and the knowledge that, um, that grass finished regeneratively raised meat could be actually good for you. Um, and raised in a way that actually benefits the environment, then I would totally be vegan as well, because like I, I'm so against everything, you know, that goes on in industrialized agriculture, especially when it comes to animal production. Um, so first of all, like I totally get it. And I also grew up in a household where my stepmom was vegan. So I understand from her perspective too, she went vegan at like seven years old as a little girl, because she was just so traumatized by the fact that like the lamb on her plate was like a little fuzzy sheep that she was reading in her storybooks. And she was like, I can't do this. I'm not like, and she's been vegan ever since. So for her, it's very much from like a moral perspective. Um, and I always say like, there are days where I struggle with that too. Like I'm, you know, wondering like, is this like morally wrong of me, even though I'm eating the most, you know, sustainably raised, humanely raised meat. Like sometimes I still have those feelings of like, is it wrong to, eat another animal so um yeah I guess I'll just start with with prefacing it by saying that um but for me I I am obviously like very picky about the sourcing of my meat um and I think that people sometimes think that it has to be like so picky to the point where like you'll only buy it from a farmer and like you'll only go get it directly from like a butcher like I'm not I that is like not a I, that's not affordable, not attainable to me, like at the point in my life where I'm at right now. So it doesn't have to be that extreme. And I think people think that it, like you have to be all the way over on this end or over on this end where you just don't care and you're kind of eating whatever's affordable. Um, there is a middle ground. And like, for me, I have done the research on like what food labels mean. And I think that's been really transformational for me to like make informed decisions as a consumer, feel good about what I'm purchasing and what I'm putting into my body, but also feeling like, okay, like this is what I can, um, this is kind of what I can work with right now, as far as like my budget and what I have access to. I mean, right now I don't live near like a local, like I don't have a local farmer near me right now. So, um, I'm buying from the grocery store and that's what I have to work with. So, um, that's my second thing is that like, there are ways to make this like accessible without feeling like you have to go like zero to 100. Um, and so, yeah, if you want, we can just kind of talk about some of the definitions and like maybe what I look for on like a food label. Yes, absolutely. Like, okay. Like, perfect. Okay. So like you were talking about with grass finished meat, that's one big, I guess, like definition that I think people get really confused about is like the difference between grass-fed and grass-finished. And I don't, I hesitate to say that like grass-finished is like the only way to go because if you have access to only grass-fed, like please do that before you're going to eat conventional meat. So, mm -hmm. um, but grass-fed basically means that the cow or whatever animal we're talking about ate mostly grass and forage out on the pasture for the majority of its life. However, it might've been supplemented with like grain or corn or something like that at some point in its life. So it's a little bit like unclear because you don't really know how much grain was supplemented or when, or like exactly how much of its life it got to eat grass. It's like kind of wishy-washy mm -hmm. grass finished is like, you know, that the animal ate only grass and forage for the entirety of its life. So that one's a little bit more like regulated, I guess, and like specific. Um, so I always go for grass finished if I have the, um, if I have the option. And I think it's really interesting too, because something that confused me about this is like, what, like what else would an animal be eating besides grass? Like why do we even have systems in the first place where we're like feeding animals something that they would not naturally eat 
in nature. Like if they were just out roaming around, they would just be eating not even just grass, but like whatever's on the ground, whatever plants they can find. Um, they wouldn't be eating like grain and corn, you know? Yeah. That was going to be my next question is what is the main thing that they feed the cows or? Yeah. Yeah. So it's usually corn or some type of like, um, like grain, bulk grain, um, sometimes soy too. Oh, um, how does that affect the actual quality of meat? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. So I think that, again, what people don't understand is that like, it would be like, for example, if you ate, um, only one thing for the entirety of your life, like, let's say you ate only broccoli your whole life and never ate anything else. That's going to, even though broccoli is like really nutrient dense, that's going to still give you health issues eating only broccoli. You're not getting a full nutrient dense profile when you do that. So when we confine animals to eating only corn or only grain, that they're only getting one certain nutrient profile and they're not getting a wide variety of nutrients. And so therefore the meat that they're producing is also less nutrient dense um, versus when we allow them to feed on the pasture and eat grass and eat plants. Another really cool thing about cows specifically is they instinctively know what to eat based on like what their body needs. So like they'll go around the pasture and think like, oh, this one specific type of plant is really rich in this. Like, this is what I need. I'm going to eat that. They actually are really picky. Like they'll go find the plants that they want to eat and eat it based on like what their body needs. So I just think that's another really cool concept of pasture raised meats is that the animals are actually able to kind of like pick what they, what they want to eat versus being fed something, the same thing every single day. Wow. I wonder like this, I don't know if you know this, but I wonder since they have that, um, instinct, what they're thinking when they're just fed with, or they, you know, corn or soy or grain is just put in front of them. (laughs) Like, are they like, this is bullshit. Like I know I need <laughs> this grass out there. Or yeah. like I I wonder what they're thinking or if they're sad if they're because they like sound like little foodies. <laughs> yeah, that's like, so I would funny. Be sad too. I'd be like, okay, like I guess I'll eat this. Yeah, yeah. I think in in conventional agriculture, you know, the cow is like raised from birth in that same environment in a factory, like doesn't ever really see the light of day. So I don't think they like necessarily know any different. Um, but I think it's just, I think there've been like studies that have been done too on like, um, just overall like hormone levels in pasture raised cows. Like it's not, not necessarily like a happiness study because like, we don't really know if like cows can like feel, you know, joy, but as far as like stress levels, like cortisol levels, um, in, in the cows, they are lower in pasture raised cows because they have the freedom to graze, which is what they have been, you know, how, how they have evolved in nature to be as grazing beings. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming that doesn't only have to do with, yeah, maybe the stress of like, this is not my normal diet, but also like the physical chemical stress on their body, like just eating, you know, probably GMO corn, GMO, mm-hmm. soy, whatever it is. And that causing that cellular level of stress kind of. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, it's like if you, you know, only ate processed foods, it's the same thing that would happen inside your body. You know, if you're not getting real whole nutrient dense foods. And that's again, what I think people miss is like the, the concept that like we're different than those animals. And so like, that doesn't really apply to them, but it does, you know? So, yeah. Um, what about a little bit like on the antibiotics and the artificial, you know, things that are actually pumped into them or put in their food, stuff like that to make, cause I know I've been to Costco and the chicken breasts there are like monstrous and so you can kind of tell that there's something going on where there's some Mm. you know something to make them larger for the 
mass consumption. So just what maybe a little bit on that too. Yeah. And that's exactly why that's happening is because farmers are wanting to produce more for more people. And that's just because we have such a high demand for meat in this country. Like, I think it's also important to note that like, if you are eating meats, like it should not be the center of your plate. Like it should be more like a side. And I think that in the United States, we like the traditional American plate is like filled with meat mostly. Um, And we have this like, I don't know, this idea that we've been taught that like we need like all this meat and like protein, which protein is important, but it doesn't need to be like the biggest part of your meal. Um, And so I think that's something to remember too, because I think when people say like, oh, I can't afford to buy good quality meat. Well, you shouldn't be buying a lot of it. Like you should only be buying small portions. Um, So I think our portion sizes are off and that's why like farmers are being, you know, incentivized to like pump hormones into these animals, make them bigger and produce more meat. And like, we need it faster. And so I think that's just honestly a consumption problem. Um, For sure. But obviously also not natural. So not good for us to be consuming either. Do you know anything about the actual, like, if there is antibiotics and stuff like that, like what that exactly is for to keep, you know, disease, fungus, like all of, cause they're, if they're packed so tightly in warehouses Mm -hmm. and barns and stuff, is it just to basically prevent? Yep, exactly. And that's kind of why, like, if you're eating conventional meat, you're, it's not like they just treat the cows when they get sick. Like it's one thing, like in a, in a pasture raised, like sustainable setting, maybe a farmer would treat a cow that got sick from something like that's, you know, understandable, same way that we would treat ourselves if we were sick. But what, but what we're seeing in conventional industrialized settings is that they're like treating them before this even happens. Like, it's just almost like a, like that, that's just what they routine, what they do. Because like you said, it's trying to prevent um, diseases from spreading in such tightly packed spaces. Yeah. So Infection and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just like a routine supplement for them. Yeah. <laughs> so sad. Um, oh, that brings me to like with, because when I picture that, I picture them just like super tightly packed in a barn. So what's the difference between cage-free in terms mm-hmm. of like eggs or chickens and stuff cage-free pasture-raised free-range all of that lingo yeah yeah that's a good question and something that people get really confused about as well um so I personally choose to eat pasture-raised eggs um and so a lot of times people think that like cage-free just means you know they're out roaming around free in the pasture but it actually doesn't cage free just rem- just means that they're not confined to a literal cage, but they might still be confined like indoors in like some type of warehouse situation where they're all packed into a warehouse. They're just not in actual cages. Like it literally means what it says. Um, and so I don't personally think that cage free really like is worth it or means anything. Um, and then free range is a little bit better because it does imply that the chickens do have access to some type of outdoor space, but it might not be free, like open outdoor space. It might be small little sections of grass kind of thing where they still only have like one little area that they're able to roam around in and pasture raised actually has a number to it. I can't remember. I want to say, I can't remember the exact number, Um, but there's like, a specific number of square feet. I want to say it's like 108 square feet or something per chicken Mm. that they have to be allowed to have. So for that one, there's an actual number put to it and that's actually regulated. So um, they have to have a certain amount of space to roam around um, in each individual chicken. So it it just ensures that they have more space and more freedom to roam on the pasture than free range or cage free. Yeah, that's... Very interesting. Thank you. Because I see all of these different types of labels at the grocery store. And Mm -hmm. so I've, I try like as much as I possibly can to get my eggs from a farmer's market because um, I'm also wondering in, in the terms of 
like the mass production, like, are they just, do they just have a million chickens or is there some way that they're making them produce eggs more rapidly? Because I was talking to my, one of the farmers that I get eggs from. And when I go there, I have to go there to their stand right away because they only have, and it's like pretty big farm. They mm-hmm. only have like nine or 10 cartons of eggs for the whole, that's their, that's what they have to offer today because the eggs are only produced or the chicken only produces one egg a day or something. So I'm curious, uh, like how often chickens lay eggs and how they're producing so many. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. I don't exactly know the answer to like if, if there's something going on where they're pumping them with like more hormones to produce more eggs in a factory setting, I actually don't know. That's a really good question. I should look into that, but you're right there. Chickens aren't meant to produce like 10 eggs a day. Like it's supposed to just be like, you know, one, like you said, which is why it makes sense that like local farmers have a limited supply because they're not, they also don't have as many chickens either as large farms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I've also noticed um, like if I go to a restaurant, because I, I try to not be, you know, like we were talking about earlier, not like so crazy, you know, I'll let myself like, Mm -hmm. Like I try to eat pasture raised stuff as much as I can. Um, but if I'm going to a restaurant and there's eggs and it's not like organic, like sometimes I just eat it. Um, mm-hmm. and so I've noticed with eggs in that setting where it's they're not mm-hmm. from maybe the best practices, they're way, way, way lighter in color than these eggs from the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you knew anything about, is that from their feed? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that is from omega-3s, like fatty acids in the eggs. Um, there are more in pasture-raised eggs because of the diversity that they're getting in their diet, being able to graze on the pasture versus eating again, just one thing like corn. Um, so that is why you see that like orange color in a really well-sourced egg yolk is because it's actually higher in omegas, which is really good for our bodies. So another reason why to eat them. Wow. Yeah. 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 I've I've seen some pretty orange yolk. Yeah. They're always so beautiful. Yeah. So cool. So with all of that being said, all of this new information that we're gaining, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the commercial farming in terms of environment, because I know that one of the big reasons why I originally was um, going plant-based along with the, you know, ethical mistreatment of animals and stuff like that was the environment. And it was because I was watching all of those um documentaries I don't know if you've seen them like what the health cowspiracy and game changers and stuff they really um kind of vilify meat in general but I've kind of opened my mind up a little bit and realized it's more of the process not the actual product and so I wanted to hear a little bit about your opinion on that like what because I feel like the commercial farming industry does impact the environment and I remember in your episode with Liv, you talked about how the regenerative farming is actually good for the environment. So I just wanted to hear your take on that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely a, a proponent of like, it's the how. Yeah. How. Um, and so, yeah, that's one of the the main reasons why I care about um, meat sourcing. And it's it is true that to produce meat, it does require more resources. It does require more water. Um, and it requires more land than to grow plants. Like that's just, that's just fact. Um, so what I really appreciate about pasture raised meat is that while, you know, water consumption is still, um, still a thing, it is trying to one replicate the natural environment that these animals um, have evolved to live in. So 
that's the first aspect of it is creating like the as close as we can get to like little human interference like Mm -hmm. let's make this system look as much as we can like humans are not here and that's what I really appreciate about pasture raised and regenerative systems is that Mm -hmm. they really try to mimic nature um and then the second thing is that soil health is like a huge 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 component of this type of sustainable agriculture and that is what conventional agriculture tends to ignore um and so what the really cool thing that happens um, with pasture raised meats is the cows graze off the ground and then they also like poop right where they're standing they walk around their hooves kind of like act as like little massage agents and like push all of this into the dirt and so it's replenishing the soil with their nutrients and because they're eating such nutrient dense food from the forage that's growing right off the ground it's like literally just this cycle of turning the nutrients back into the soil and so it's again that like cycle of like how nature intended it to be um and when we have soil that's really healthy like this what it actually can do is take carbon from the atmosphere and draw it back down into the soil and store it in the soil where it's supposed to be versus hanging out in the atmosphere for hundreds of years and creating global warming and that kind of thing. So research is actually finding that in pasture-raised systems, carbon is actually able to be drawn out of the atmosphere and reverse climate change, which is something that like scientists never thought we would be able to do. You know, like we've always thought like we need to stop doing what we're doing now because we've reached the maximum threshold, but nobody's ever said like, how do we reverse climate change? How do we go backwards and take all this damage back? And these regenerative pasture raised systems are like one way that's been proven to be able to do that. And so for me, you know, you can stop eating conventional meat and I, I think that everyone should. Um, but what are you doing to, what are you doing to like reverse it and punish the earth? And so that's the part where eating, good sourced meat in, you know, reasonable quantities, um, plays a role in my life because that's how I feel as though I'm contributing to, um, the reversal of climate change. Obviously there are other ways to contribute, but that's just one thing that I think is really cool about it. Wow. That is so interesting. Yeah. And if you are looking, I don't know if you've seen the documentary, kiss the ground, but it is, amazing and it paints this like beautiful picture of what these systems are actually supposed to look like and compares them to conventional agriculture and explains a lot of the research behind it so I'd highly recommend watching that documentary it's all about the difference between these two systems and like kind of the environmental argument of like why we should be doing this on a on a bigger scale okay okay that's amazing because my next kind of like um closing question would be like what I don't know how to word this but what advice would you give someone who is transitioning from maybe being vegan or vegetarian for environmental reasons or maybe health reasons Mm -hmm. um kind of like how they can gently segue into um you know participating in regenerative farming kind of what to look for at the store I know we kind of went over that but if you had any kind of like last advice you would give someone or yeah books or documentaries or resources maybe websites anything of that nature Mm -hmm. yeah yeah really quickly I found the the numbers I was looking for so I want to mention that that yes about like emissions because I think that's you know for the environmental aspect talking about greenhouse gas emissions and like why factory farming is so bad for the environment. And I, I wanted to find these numbers um, in my yeah. notes. So the like worst, the worst case scenario, factory farmed beef emits 105 kilograms of emissions per 100 grams of protein compared to the best beef. So like organic grass-fed pasture raised is only nine kilograms of emissions per 100 grams of protein. So it goes oh. 105 to nine yeah. And wow. then for like plant-based protein sources, like tofu, legumes, those come out to about an average of four kilograms of emission. So the best beef gets really, really, really close to that. But again, like I was saying, plant-based sources like tofu, legumes don't always have that um, 
carbon sequestration benefit that beef does because of the cow aspect and how they interact with the soil. So, um, you know, it's getting pretty close to plant, plant-based protein sources with nine compared to four, but wow. just making the change from conventional meat to organic grass-fed pasture-raised meat goes from 105 to nine, which is crazy. So that is absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So to answer your question, um, about my recommendations for kind of transitioning over, I also recommend this to people who maybe like, um, are eating conventional meat and want to make the change, but like, feel like it's really overwhelming or not affordable. Um, my first thing is again, like realize that meat really should be like a side. It shouldn't be like the main part of your plate. And the second thing is like, maybe just pick like one area, like maybe you eat eggs the most, or like you really like chicken or I don't know, whichever, like if, and if you're vegan and you're trying to transition over whatever protein source, like you're the most comfortable with, I guess, kind of figure Mm -hmm. out what that is for you. And it's okay to just start with one. Like if you just want to go for focusing on pasture raised eggs and like do the rest later, like it's okay to just like transition in that way and figure out what it is that's most important to you, um, for sourcing. So that's kind of how I would recommend going about it. It's just like kind of evaluate what is it that's most important? Is it, you know, maybe you want to try out beef, maybe chicken, um, or just eggs and start there. Um, and that goes for affordability as well. Mm-hmm. Um, can't, if you just don't feel like you can quite do it all, um, just starting with one thing is like a step in the right direction. So beautiful. And then maybe watch the documentary, kiss the grass. Yes. I'm going to watch that tonight. You should. Yes. And let me know what you think of it. Cause I, that documentary, I've seen it three times now. And every time it just like gets me so like excited to like talk about that more. Um, cause it's just such a good documentary. Yeah. So you should definitely watch that for people who are a little bit hesitant and like, don't quite understand the documentary gives really great visuals for, um, for all of this. And it does it in an encouraging way to not like some of the other documentaries where like you're scared afterwards and you like want to cry. Yeah. That's how a lot of those other documentaries really are. They instill fear and mm-hmm. that's not good in any situation. Like yeah, information should be empowering and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. very interesting. I'll, well, I'll let you know how I like that documentary. I'm sure I'll be very into it because that's the that's the vibe right now. Is <laughs> I'm very intrigued in this whole like new way of living, and my body is really happy. And yeah, I'm just really excited to be able to share more information on this. And I really appreciate you being here today with me. And um, yeah, maybe since you are so. Um, you are so seasoned in this area. Maybe if I think of another like more specific topic, we can go dive deeper in another episode too. But thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye.